So this is take two. I had to rescue it from the trash can. Um, I mistakenly didn't add the last verse. So Garrett told me to redo this. So I guess the last verse must be the important one. That's your clue to today. So that said, our yoga teacher, Laura Bailey, said in class on Friday, which was online, breathe in and let your light shine out. I don't know about you, but it's sometimes hard to take a deep breath as worry and fear right now make me feel tense here. And I realize I'm holding my breath. And then the light inside of me doesn't shine so much. Today's reading is on one level about letting the light shine out. So from Mark 4, 21 to 25 this time. Then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought out into the open and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This is God's word. The Bob Dylan song that's not in our usual repertoire. I really like that song. and Not many folks have to be told these days that, that I am a Bob Dylan fan. If you front a Bob Dylan cover band and his face is all over your office wall, as are some of his albums and keepsakes, what else needs to be said? I came to Bob Dylan in my teenage years, like so many people did, but I was 25 years after his debut. It was the late 1980s. The world was in the throes of the Cold War. My high school humanities teacher, my history teacher, was giving us a good dose of U.S. history from the 1960s, civil rights, Vietnam protests, the assassination of JFK, RFK, MLK, the birth of rock and roll. We didn't listen to rock and roll in the house in which I grew up. It was forbidden, except for Elvis, because it was Elvis. And so when that teacher, Mr. Ken Russell, God love you, man, wherever you are, uh, sang Bob Dylan songs to our class, providing us that voice of his generation, I was hooked. Dylan's proficiency as a songwriter and a performer are unraveled, unri- unrivaled. For 60 years, he has been putting out original music, 55 albums, some 600 songs in the great American songbook. 2,000 different artists have recorded his songs. He has won 10 Grammys, a Golden Globe, an Academy Award, the Pulitzer, the Nobel Prize in Literature, and the Presidential Medal of Freedom. All beginning in the humble town of Hibbing, Minnesota. Population 15,000 people, a number that hasn't moved in 100 years. And here's a picture, by the way, of Bob Dylan's home where he grew up. This picture was sent to me this week by Snowbird Kathy Joyner who lives just a short drive from there. I hope that she was practicing social distancing on her way to Hibbing. And I do appreciate, Kathy, so much you sending that picture of Bob Dylan's home. I've saved it and I've kept it. It might be hanging on my wall one day. Bob Dylan will be 79 years old in about a month. 
And at an age where others have lost their fire or they have retired to only play golf or they just sit around and watch cable news, wishing that it, wishing that it was 1955 again, he is still very much hard at work. Before the coronavirus upended everything, he was still touring. The never-ending tour, it's what it's called. Ricky and I were planning to go see him in Nashville this summer. We'll have to wait. A few weeks ago, he released his first original song in 12 years. It's a song entitled Murder Most Foul about the assassination of JFK. It's 17 minutes long. An enigmatic masterpiece, and I've listened to it at least 100 times already. This was followed by a second new song this week entitled I Contain Multitudes a tip of the hat to Walt Whitman. And last year with Martin Scorsese, he released a feature film on Netflix called The Rolling Thunder Review. It is a documentary, kind of, about Dylan's tour of the same name back in 1975 and 1976. Tim and I watched it together. It's a combination of fact and fiction intentionally. People are interviewed and stories are told, but some of these people don't really exist. And half the stories from the film are made up. Sharon Stone is in the film, and she claims to be the inspiration for one of, of Dylan's songs. That's impossible. She was a child at the time. She never even met Dylan in the 1970s. A congressman named Jack Tanner tells this long story about how Dylan got him tickets and tickets for President Jimmy Carter for a show in 1976. Jack Tanner isn't a real person. On and on it goes. I've watched the film a number of times, and each time that I watch it, I find a new fiction. Why? Well, in short, Bob Dylan is being Bob Dylan. Dylan, he's messing with our heads. He's being his usual cryptic self. He puts up something confusing, inexplicable, in order to make us think, to make us seek to make us look for the truth behind it all. Halfway through the film, he says as much, and this is what that pseudo-documentary is all about. Quote, When somebody's wearing a mask, he's going to tell you the truth. When he's not wearing a mask, it's highly unlikely. I'm going to repeat that. When somebody's wearing a mask... He's going to tell you the truth. When he's not wearing a mask, it's highly unlikely. The Irish poet Oscar Wilde, one of Dylan's great inspirations, said essentially the same thing. Man is least himself when he talks in his own person, Wilde said. Give him a mask and he will tell you the truth. Oscar Wilde, Bob Dylan other masters of the artistic crafts, if they create a persona, if they have a disguise, then they find the strength to tell you the truth because they can hide. But if they had to come out as their real selves, if they were truly known, they would never say and do some of the things they say and do. Those dark sunglasses, that icon white face paint of the Rolling Thunder Review Tour, the ever-changing costumes, the refusal to be accessible. These are ways Bob Dylan has kept a distance and he has kept a way to communicate what is truly in his heart. As a man thinks in his heart, 
the Hebrew prophet proverb says. So is he. And Jesus said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Good comes from a good man because of the riches he has in his heart. Sin comes from a sinful man because of the sin he has in his heart. What is inside of you will get out. You may tamp it down. You may hold it back. You may attempt to squash it. But if given the chance to hide, given the opportunity to put on a mask, to speak without being known, or to speak insulated from consequences, to become a sort of real-life internet troll where nobody really knows who you are, then the truth of what you feel and the truth of what you believe will be told. What else did Jesus say in our reading for today? He uses the image of a lamp. You bring it into a room, and then there is no darkness in which to hide. Mark four twenty-two. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to light. Now, what Jesus says here can be understood as a final, ultimate reckoning all the injustice and sneaky shit that people get away with, grifting, cheating, killing, lying, embezzling, two-timing, that's all going to come out in the wash at some point. As Dr. King would say, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. The ever-shining LED spotlight of God's equity and reconciliation will catch up with us all. Now call it karma, Call it fate. I don't care what you call it. What is done secretly and hiding will be revealed. You can't hide behind that mask forever. You can't get away with deception for an eternity. Sooner or later, later, as Johnny Cash says, God will cut you down. But there is also a real world, ever-present warning in Jesus' words. A warning that is playing out right before our very eyes in these current days in which we live. Everywhere you go these days, properly, you see masks. Let me show you a, a mask. When I close my eyes at night, I see masks. When I dream at night, I dream of masks. Through Renew and the Point Washington Medical Clinic, we were able to get 10,000 KN95 mask into Walton County this week. And here they are. They're fantastic. This is called milk-blown fabric. And one of the reasons that it's so hard to find these masks today is that there are plenty of assembly lines to put on the ear hooks and to do the stitching. But this milk-blown fabric, there's only so many factories in the world that produce this. And to build a new machine to produce this fabric is about a $5, 6000000 million machine. And it takes 60 to 90 days. So that's one of the reasons that you're seeing so much uh, delay in these. But N95s, KN95s, we were able to get these to uh, first responders in our community this week. Uh, Walton County Sheriff's Department, South Walton Fire District, Walton EMS, Walton Emergency Management, Point Washington Clinic, about 3,000 of these masks are already out there being used by our first responders, and, and we're so thankful for that and glad for that, and we have 
more masks to give out. They're, they're getting spread out all over the Southeast right now to communities that are lacking them. And I love delivering them. I really did. And, and seeing that we were actually helping in some way. So you see these masks out on the, out on the street, you see respirators, you see surgical masks, you see homemade masks, you see motorcycle helmets with the full for frontal shield, bandanas, that's Ricky's favorite choice. Use what you have. Mask up for the protection of the weakest and the most vulnerable among us. But there is a lot of unmasking going on during these days, too. We see people responding to this crisis with kindness and healing. Healthcare providers are going above and beyond the call of duty in our largest cities. Charities are mobilizing the best that they can. People are being generous and giving. Neighbors are coming together and looking out for one another. Restaurants are giving away food. Some landlords are even forgiving rent payments. Churches are adapting and trying to find their way in this virtual digital world. The mask gets pulled away. The light shines in every corner. And people, thank God, are up to the task. Good is coming from good people because of the riches they have stored in their hearts. They aren't being heroic. They're being their real selves, the people they were the entire time. And the pressure of these days only squeezes out what was already inside. And if the good was there, you see the good coming out. The good is underneath the mask when the mask is pulled away. But it's not all coming up roses, is it? This great unmasking, this light shining in the darkness has also revealed that sin comes from sinful men because of the sin they have in their hearts. We're also seeing hatefulness. We're seeing rampant fear. There's greed and taking advantage and gouging like some of us have never witnessed. We are seeing our institutional and societal weaknesses a vicious failure of moral leadership. We're seeing callousness and racism and selfishness and bowing down to that golden calf that is the almighty dollar. Not because the coronavirus caused people to act and be this way. They were already this way. And the pressure of the moment has simply ripped the curtain back. And those who could hide behind a social media profile or keep their ugliness just at the line of polite social acceptability can no longer behave as anything but themselves. So remember what Maya Angelou said years ago. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And we are seeing that in these days. In addition to these masks that we see everywhere, there's another word that I keep hearing. The word apocalypse. Oh my God, it's the apocalypse. Of course, when someone says something like that, they're talking about the end of the world. Visions of locusts and famine, wormwood and Armageddon come to mind, the four horsemen and all that prophetic fodder that televangelists and conspiracy theories like to use. Hey, Bobby's getting a call over there. Sorry about that, Bob. It's not that. It's not that kind of an apocalypse. But it is an apocalypse just the same. Do you know what the word apocalypse means? It doesn't mean the end of the world. Not at all. It means to unveil. To reveal. To show something that was previously hidden. It means 
to unmask. And it is the word used by Jesus in Mark chapter 4. He says, again, everything that is hidden, the word hidden is the word crypt. Everything that's been buried, everything that's been locked away in the basement, everything that has been covered over with heavy concrete and nobody knows about it, everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open. And that phrase, brought into the open, Jesus uses the word apocryphos, apocalypse. It will be revealed. So what are these days of quarantine, of coronavirus, revealing about you? I think it's a good question. It's a good question that I've wrestled with personally for several weeks now, not in a bad way, but in a necessary way. For most of us, our masks hold on to our faces by the thinnest of threads. Our true feelings, our telltale hearts are just millimeters below the surface. Our coping and our survival mechanisms are ultra fragile. So it only takes a slight pull at the mask, the most shallow wound to the flesh, the most gentle tussle to our lives, and then it's ashes to ashes, dust to dust, we all fall down. We see ourselves for who we really are, and others do too. What are you learning about yourself? What is this great unmasking showing you about you? And if it's ugly, will you have the courage to admit it, at least to yourself, and begin with the required inner work of the soul? Will you be willing to change who you are, who you really are, after the masks have been yanked away? Will you be willing to grow into the whole and good person that only pressure and suffering can produce? Will you go with the pain you find within in order for what is within you to be transformed? Jeffrey Pugh said recently, a long time ago, in order to survive a great suffering, I had to make grief and sadness my companions on the journey. Rather than things to be feared, they became my teachers. It is easy to run away from them, but embrace them as friends and they will give you strength you never knew existed. When your life gets revealed for what it is. It's a blessing. You can see the truth of it, and you can grow accordingly if you choose to do so. A final example from a genuine hero of mine, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's on my mind this very week. Bonhoeffer was a German pastor who earned a teaching position at the University of Berlin just as the Nazis came to power. He was well-connected. He came from a prestigious family. He could have safely protected himself within the halls of academia, as many of his peers did. He could have left the country, and in fact, he did so for a time. He became a pastor in London and finally an instructor at Union Seminary in New York City. 
But in 1939, 1939, even as it became obvious that his country was headed toward disaster, he took the last boat from New York City back to Germany. And his reasoning for this was as profound as his courage, quoting Bonhoeffer. I must live through this difficult period of our national history with the Christian people of Germany. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people. I cannot make this choice in security. For that choice and for resisting and conspiring against Hitler, he was arrested and imprisoned not many months after his return to Germany. And after two years in prison, he was sent to the Flossenburg concentration camp. And there on an early April morning, 1945, 75 years ago this past week, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed just days before the camp was liberated by Allied forces. Where did Bonhoeffer, who was only 39 years old, find the courage to do what he did? To return to Germany when he knew the dangers. To stand on Christian principle to the end. To defy unmasked evil. To compassionately and in solidarity take the side of the weak, the oppressed, and the outlawed. That courage was in him the entire time because he had spent years being formed into the image of Christ. And when the heat intensified and the crucible became a glow in the furnace, it burned away all the protective layers. And what he really was, who he really was, was unmasked in all of its good and sacrificial glory. Now, you don't have years, but you do have these days. And if you will let them, they will reveal to you who you really are. And these days, by God's grace, can reshape you. Good comes from that good person because of the riches he or she has stored in their hearts. Everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open. Every secret will be brought to light. And as Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear this and understand. So much of what I shared today is the basic inner work of recovery. And so I offer this prayer for us all, a sort of composite from steps four, five, and six of the 12 steps. Lead us, O God, to conduct that fearless moral inventory. Give us the courage to see ourselves for who and for what we are. Give us the courage to confess it, to own it, to learn from it, and then armed with honesty and grace, transform us, reshape us, help us remove the obstacles we put in our own way 
And may we store up riches in our own hearts and souls that your light would shine in the darkness. In the name of Christ, we pray.